You know, for me, I was able to really look in a broader sense of how I was feeling with two kind of pillars, which was fear and love. The fearful things in my case was fear of the unknown, which is a big one, fear of losing what you have and fear of not getting what you want. Mm. And then you look at love, it's completely the opposite of that. Hey everyone, welcome back to On Purpose. Thank you so much for making us the number one health podcast in the world. I'm so grateful that we dive in every week to topics around wellness, around mental health, around vulnerability, empathy, finding our true, authentic, and sincerest selves. And I'm so grateful that you get involved in the conversation. I love seeing your posts on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and I love seeing what you're taking away. And I truly believe already, because I've just been speaking to today's guest, outside the room before we dove in here and just now. And I think you're going to get so much from this conversation. So get your notepads out right now. If you are walking your dog, if you're cooking and you can't take notes, take mental notes. And if you can't take mental notes, then come back to this episode. I'm so excited for this conversation. Today's guest is Kate Bosworth. She's an actress, activist, and producer. And she's transitioned from being a young Hollywood star to one of today's leading people on screen and behind the lens. And by the way, she made her on-screen debut at 14 years old with zero prior experience. And we'll get to that in a moment. Her film credits include everything from Still Alice, Heist, 90 Minutes in Heaven, Homefront, Blue Crush, and so many more. And Kate and her husband, Michael Polish, have co-produced the feature film Nona. I highly recommend checking it out. And most recently, Kate now stars in and produced the Netflix sci-fi series, The Island, streaming on Netflix now. And we'll talk about that today. Kate, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. And we started talking, I think it was maybe a couple of months ago yeah. on Instagram yeah. through DMs. And this is why I love Instagram, because it introduces me to incredible people like you. And we started sharing these messages back and forth. Yeah. And I was so drawn to your openness, your vulnerability, your expression of the journey you're on. And I wanted to share that with my audience Aww. and you've been so kind to trust me with that too. So I just want to say thank you so much oh, for doing thank that. Thank you so much for having me. I felt the same way. Like I actually, my husband is the one who introduced me to you. Oh, no way. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. He was, he, he sent me a, a post that you, that you had put up and he was like, you're really going to like Jay Shetty. And oh, I, and I, st- then I started really stalking you <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you're right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's why I love Instagram social media too, is that you can kind of create bonds, you know, through likeness, which is really great. Yeah, absolutely. Thank we you for both- having me. Oh no, thank <laughs> you. I'm so touched genuinely, honestly. And, uh, the short conversation we just had outside and the conversation we were having yesterday, I just think that you being confident, courageous, wonderful enough to share this revelatory moment in your life where you're going through deep reflection, for you to share at this time, I think is so brave and courageous. And I think it's so beautiful. And I think it's going to help so many people because we were just talking about it outside that I think we're used to hearing things in hindsight. We're used to hearing about something once it's done and someone's had time to reflect, but you're actually going to be sharing what's happening with you right now while you're reflecting and learning. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was very, um, you know, it was, it was perfect timing really when you reached out to me and I said to you, I said, you know what, it's funny that, that you're, you're asking me to come on now because about a month ago, I literally just hit a moment of just such complete exhaustion. And I don't mean exhaustion, like I'm tired and I need to sleep for a week. It was exhaustion, just like spiritually, mentally, um, you know, with kind of how I was approaching my career, how I was approaching family, love. 
um, sort of everything. And I just thought to myself, you know, if I don't really consider this and kind of unplug from all of it and unplug really just from the way I've been approaching things thus far in my life, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to find myself in some trouble, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, it's kind of like when you can, when you can almost like see the, the road signs to an accident and you're like, it's coming, I can see it's coming. And I'm like, I don't want to be in such a wreck that, you know, I, I have to be putting like body parts back together at that point, you know? And, um, so I literally just, you know, I, I, I use this kind of metaphor. I feel like I was sort of standing on the, the edge of, you know, of a cliff and I just decided to kind of jump off and free fall without a parachute. Um, I sort of did a bit of a clearing with, you know, people in my life that I felt, um, you know, weren't contributing in a way that I was contributing back. And so there was that kind of feeling of I'm in, in, in love, by the way, like not like in any kind of anger or any kind of, you know, um, you know, bad feelings for them. It was just, it's time to let that go and make space for other things. And, um, really the big, the big thing for me was to get in touch with the vulnerability and that, that's scary. You know, it's a crazy yeah. thing. And, and, and I, I have to live in so much vulnerability on, on a day-to-day basis with what I do for a living and, you know, kind of losing yourself in characters who are in a lot of pain or, you know, are expressing certain things about themselves. You have to find a commonality of pain with characters, but the real deep kind of soul searching vulnerability of self, like going way back <laughs> to how you were cooked by 36 years old, which is how old I am. Yeah. Um, and, and feeling for me, the big thing was as, as I am, I was telling you, I'm definitely a type, you know, in school and high school, I was like very nerdy, very academic. Um, you know, I'm an only child. So I, I, I have two wonderful parents and, and, and in raising me, they, they did raise me with high expectations. They did raise me with, we expect you to work hard and do the best you possibly can and look in the mirror and say, did you do the best today? Which has so much benefit to it. On the other hand, you know, it's a tall order, you know, to have for yourself every single day. There's a lot of pressure that comes along with that. Um, and so with that said, I, I've never been the kind of person that's phenomenally comfortable with the unknown. (laughs) (laughs) Like I like to control, I, I like structure. Sure. I like to control things. Producing. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So yeah. in that sense, it works really well <laughs> to be a producer. That Those are the sides of, to me that work very well for that. But as a human being and, and for someone who really felt like that was hindering me more than it was helping me, you know, in my heart mm-hmm. and in my soul, I just thought I, I have to kind of jump off this cliff and be comfortable with the discomfort. Absolutely. And that was crazy. Like I literally had a month of not doing much and, you know, making certain decisions in my life that were big decisions that, that really did, um, kind of reveal a big unknown. And there was like two days where I felt like paralytic fear, truly, like where I was just sitting in one spot, just being like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this day. It was so, it was really that kind of overwhelming feeling. And then what was so great was that I sort of survived (laughs) and thought, well, now the free fall is actually going from so much fear to excitement. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. It went from, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing, to like, whoa, this is actually really cool. I like the unknown, you know, That's or I feel amazing. somewhat more comfortable in the unknown. And starting to 
approach life with a more sort of like observational point of view mm -hmm. rather than a controlling, you know, sort of forceful point of view. Okay, I've got so many questions okay. now. I'm like, <laughs> this is amazing. This is amazing. And I think anyone who's listening right now, I want you to put yourself back into a place when you felt how Kate's beautifully describing how she's felt. Or I'm thinking for a lot of you listening right now, you might even be in one of those situations right now. So I really want you to bring your whole body and your mind and your soul into this conversation because I think just the way you articulated that was beautiful, by the way. And, and I'm hoping that that's going to help people navigate theirs. So one of my first questions is around how were you approaching? You said A-type. Tell me about how you were approaching life. And you, and you spoke a bit about it there, yeah. about your parents' expectations. When did that mindset of looking in the mirror every day and asking yourself if you've done the best, when was that useful? And when did you start to notice it wasn't useful? Because I'm, I'm guessing there are times when it's amazing, like Definitely. you mentioned, and there's times when you're like, oh, okay, now I'm noticing this is not serving me anymore. Totally. And I, and honestly, I'm still in it, you know, like, mm. and I, and I love how you said, you know, that we're, we're having this discussion, like, while I'm going through this moment of self-reflection. So I will sort of admittedly say, I don't have actually all the answers. However, I will say that, um, it, it serves me in, um, being very diligent and determined and strong-willed with my work. Um, I definitely am someone who, will leave no stone unturned in terms of how can I make something happen? You know, if my relationship, my marriage is, is struggling, how do I, how do we, how do we look at that? How do we, mm. um, you know, come together or do we need separate, you know, do we need some space? Like what is it that will help us, you know, be closer, you know, and in marriage isn't, I'm excited to talk to you about this too, yes. because we've been married for six years together for eight and it's, it's a, it's a really beautiful journey, you know? And I think that's something that I had to really, um, understand that it really is that, you know, there, there are, um, peaks and valleys. There are really difficult moments, especially for, you know, for us, we're two artists. So, you know, we, we, <laughs> it's a little crazy sometimes. Um, but it, 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 the, the determination and the strong will and the, um, you know, the sort of a type part of myself serves in that way. What I started to realize wasn't serving me was this kind of, kind of unrelenting self-criticism mm -hmm. ultimately, mm -hmm. which then for me led to feelings of um, sort of shame, self-pity. Um, and these are the things that I've been observing myself, right? And shame's an interesting one because shame takes on, takes a lot of vulnerability to admit that you have shame or humiliation over something. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to be angry. Yeah. Right. So true. To, wow. You know, wow. Really good point. Yeah. And that's what I started finding myself that I get really angry or frustrated with situations. And in this kind of real moment of saying enough of the things that aren't working for you, like, let's really strip this back. Like, let's see, how do you truly feel? And when I really got to the core of myself, I thought, well, there's you know, the self-criticism brings a lot of shame for certain things, shame that I am not succeeding in a certain way or things that I feel like I'm failing or that I'm not good enough or I'm not this or I'm not that. And I thought, well, you know, that is something that, you know, you want to, um, you want to look at with vulnerability mm -hmm. in a way that can then lead to more confidence, you know, yeah, like giving yourself the permission to look at it yes. with vulnerability without the judgment, without the criticism. Exactly. And, 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 you know, anger is interesting because it can feel a lot more comfortable 
at times. Totally. You know, it's, it's, 100%. A, it's a more comfortable, you know, sort of thing to, to put on to assume than, wow, I actually feel like really, you know, I'm struggling right now, mm -hmm. you know, and, mm -hmm. and that's sort of the place that I'm trying to get to, which is feel confident enough to feel vulnerable and to yeah. be able to feel calm with that vulnerability rather than sort of very erratic and chaotic, which, you know, it's, it's that thing where I would feel vulnerable and I'd be like, Oh, I don't want to feel this way. Yeah. You know? it's, it's like that, like that nerve of your heart, right. Where you're like, God, I'm hitting it. And it's like that almost like electric jolt. And so this kind of time has been to say, okay, wow. Yeah. That's the core. Yes. That's the core. So let's, you know, let's lean into that. Like, let's embrace that. Like, and even if it feels a little uncomfortable, that's okay. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's going to lead you somewhere else. Yeah. Wow. So true. I love what you just said that about being confident enough to be vulnerable because usually yeah. we see it the other way around, right? Usually we see it as, oh, if I don't, if I'm not vulnerable, then I'm confident. Right. Exactly. But, I think, I think there, you know, there is this kind of misconception that, you know, vulnerability can feel like a weakness. Weakness. Yes. Um, and, and yet I, I really feel like <laughs> for the first time in my life, I've been able to say to people, I actually don't have the answer for that. <laughs> yeah. And feel okay with yeah, that rather okay than that. say, I don't have the answer, but I'll, I'll find it and I, I'll get it right back to you. Like yes. that's kind of how I used to be. Definitely. And I have the impulse to kind of go back there because it's so much of, you know, how, how I'm made up. But yeah. what I'm trying to, um, to really uh, feel, feel more comfortable mm. in is saying I, I'm actually in a place of the unknown and that's just where that's I'm just, at, yeah, you yeah, know, just being okay with that. Yeah. it's, it's, and it's, it's, um, I think, you know, and what's exciting to me about the free fall rather mm -hmm. than the fear is it to me, that's really where so much growth comes in. Yes. Yes. You know, and sometimes it takes a bit of time to get there. I was saying to someone the other day that, you know, taking the analogy of sometimes like if you're, if your house is burning down right now, you don't have time to reflect and get intimate with it and figure out you need to just run away, right? Like <laughs> yeah. sometimes you're just like, forget that cliff. Yeah. I just need to cry and hide for a yes, moment. Yes, totally. Or I just need to run away from yeah. this situation. But then after the dust is settled, right. you come back and you go, well, what started that fire? Where did it come from? Right. Why did I have to run away from it? Right. Why did it? Why did it happen in the first place? Right. It's like, then you can come back to it. Yeah. And I think part of the process with that is to be, um, like sort of lovingly discerning with who you speak to mm. and who you invite into that process. Mm. Um, so I, I totally understand that feeling. Like the first, you know, week was like the fire and the flames and just being, you know, just being like, oh, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> then, you know, it's, it's crazy. And then as the dust settled, it was about reaching out to people and saying, hey, I'm, I'm going through something that's really difficult and I'm struggling and can you come over? And, yeah. you know, um, I, I feel like I've always prided myself on being the strong one mm. and that people kind of come to me for answers for. And I found that, you know, I was using this, the, the sort of metaphor, um, to you outside, which was, you know, Kate's got it. I've 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 got it. And then all of a sudden, like, uh, I'm dropping, <laughs> I don't have it. I don't have it. Who else can have, you know? And, and that was sort of how I felt where it's like, just to let everything fall was kind of brilliant yeah. because I was like, well, I'm. I'm actually a lot clearer now because mm. I see everything sort of like just, you know, in a heap yeah. and it's actually okay. Yeah. And absolutely. so then you kind of start to put things back in a, in a way that is healthier and, mm. and we'll have a, you know, um, 
a sort a more formidable longevity, I think, with yeah. self, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I love that metaphor because I think sometimes we're carrying things for so long and for so yes. close that it's so close we don't even know what we're carrying anymore. Right. But you're carrying it and you feel the weight. But then when you actually drop it all, you can then go, Oh yeah, I actually want to keep that and that's not relevant. I, I'm getting that from you. Like that's totally. that's the process of it. Yeah. One thing you said which I thought was amazing is you talked about how, and twice now you've sidelined anger in the sense of you've just been like, I'm doing this without anger. Yeah. And you talked about letting go of people with love. Yeah. And I thought that was really beautiful because I think, and sometimes I post about things like this and people struggle and they're just like, Jay, how can I, how can I, like, if I stop talking to someone, then, then they're going to not like me or that can't be loving. Like, right. but how did you let go of people with love? Like, how, how does that process work or... I think, you know, for me, I was able to really look, you know, in a, in a broader sense of how I was feeling with two kind of pillars, which was fear and love. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to me, they were, you know, all the fearful things were in my, in my case was fear of the unknown, which is a big one, fear of losing what you have and fear of not getting what you want. Mm. And then you look at love and it's, it's completely the opposite of that. And so I thought if I can really analytically understand fear, wow. right? And and to think, can I identify this relationship or this feeling or this experience with one of these three things, then I can kind of understand it mm -hmm. and not feel so free floating with the feeling. Because fear is so mercurial. You know, I mean, it can literally, when I say paralytic, it really did. It sort of became like, this kind of crazy like straitjacket for me, you know, for a couple of days. And then when I was able to say, well, why do you feel that way? Well, I'm really, really afraid of losing what I have. So let's look at that. So if you, you know, why are you afraid of that? Well, because then, then, then I won't have this and that's really important to me. Okay. Why, why do you need to change that? You know? And so I really started to have this like dialogue with myself. Yes. Yes. And I would say, well, because I, I don't like where it's at because it's not serving me in this way. And I feel like I've not participated in the best way. Okay. So then you need to communicate. Yes. Communication. You know, I know we hear this a lot, but really what I found was that a long winded answer to your question. It's great. The, it's great. <laughs> the, um, really the way of letting go with love to me is through communication in a way that is, that is loving. And it's to be able to say through vulnerability, you know, Hey, I, I just, I have to be really honest with you. Mm. And this is difficult for me to say, and it yeah. actually, to be honest, it, it actually creates a lot of vulnerability with me mm. with that said, da, 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 yeah. you know? And like, yeah. to me, that was, it, it just created such incredible So it's change. easy to be honest. Yes. Right? It's so much right. easier. And in I one think, sense. you know, it's interesting because we talked about this a little bit, um, we, you know, I didn't grow up with Instagram or mm -hmm. Facebook or any kind of global perception of what other people think or what I think of other people or what other people think of other people. You know, this, like what you said so wonderfully in your post. Um, but, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, to me, like a, part of that, I think, was really feeling like I needed to unplug from that and mm -hmm. get very, very genuine with myself. Yes. And the moment that I was able to say, this is, this is truly how I feel. Mm -hmm. It allowed me to let go of the fear because it was just me. And yeah. that's kind of 
you know, there, there's there's nothing really left to hide behind. Because there was it's not unknown now. Once it, you've given exactly. it a name, you vocalized it, right. you vocalized it. It's yeah. not unknown. Anymore. No, exactly. And and I think you know when we we live in a world of perception, it is difficult to. Um, I think for certain people, you know, I think for a lot of people to feel honest and authentic and and um, vulnerable. Mm. And I that's you know it's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting observation and, and reality of where we are right now as a yeah. society, which is everything's fine. Everything's great. White picket fences, Labradors, you know, like <laughs> everything, you know, and I, I'm guilty of it. I totally, you know, I mean, which is why I was so excited to come here and speak with yeah. you in a, in a way that I feel safe because I, I think we will really um, thrive more as a society and, and in our relationships and in our friendships with more vulnerability and honesty mm. and authenticity. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. This is great, by the way. And everyone who's listening right now, something Kate said is really a powerful method. So she first talked about diagnosing, like getting really close to what it is you're scared of mm. and finding out which of those three. Can you share those three areas again? Oh, yes. Well, I, I mean, I looked at at fear, yes. which is fear of the unknown, yes. fear of losing what you have, and fear of not getting what you want. I love that. So I would write that down right now, and that's a great way of diagnosing which one it is, because it has to kind of fit into one of those And three. it will be clear. I yeah. mean, that's the great thing. And sometimes it's two of the three, sometimes it's three of the three, sometimes right. it's one of the, free, the mm. three. But once you understand what it is, you're right, you're able to, you're, you're able to then move forward. Totally. 100%. Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great takeaway. See, this is what's amazing about this conversation and when we were talking about it earlier, it's just, you know, you go from being in your first ever movie at 14, yeah. right? What was your view of confidence then versus now? Because I'm like, at 14, no experience. I mean, that sounds like it takes a lot of confidence and courage. And and then or you get like, really good at sort of faking it. <laughs> well, <where's laughs> you know your, I want to know where confidence has evolved yeah. for you because I mean you know we're yeah. not going to judge your fourteen year old self about confidence, but well, you know. It's, you know it's okay. So it's interesting. So I've always been very true to myself, mm. and I haven't ever had a ton of friends. Like I, I really love one on one. I love digging deep with people. Um, Me too. You know, so it's like for, for like, if I look at the continuity throughout my life, you know. I was, I was more of an introvert in high school. I was very academic. Um, I was really, I felt very shy. I don't know if I came off like that, but inside I felt very shy mm. and um, self-conscious. Like, I, I mean, I think most high, high schoolers feel self-conscious. I think so. Yeah. And, um, and yet I also felt like I was always very, very true to myself in terms of I wouldn't do anything that didn't feel right. Mm. I, I, I was, I very, very rarely gave into peer pressure, you know, because it was like, it, there's, I've always had this like inner core where I have just known like that is not going to be right for you, right. you know, in a, yeah. in a fundamental kind of way. And, and that's something that's, that I've had throughout my life. Um, so in terms of like feeling like I've known myself in a confident way, mm -hmm. I, I, th I think I've, I've, I feel like I was born that way in a certain way. Now taking that away and looking at, you know, being in my first movie at 14, that happened because I was a horse rider mm -hmm. and I was a show jumper and I, I, I absolutely love being around horses and riding horses and, um, 
you know, that gave me a lot of confidence. It was just something that felt like it was just inherent, you know, I didn't really, I mean, it was obviously a skill I had to learn, but it was something that just, um, was like an affinity for me. Um, and then the movie, the horse whisperer was directed by Robert Redford and he really wanted real horse girls to be involved in the movie. And so I just went on a whim to a open casting call (laughs) in New York. I was living in Connecticut at the time. And the first time I'd ever even read lines, you know, and sort of participated in a scene. <laughs> and I had no idea what I was doing. And, and I remember just finishing that experience of auditioning with the casting director and thinking, oh, my God, thank God that's over. And then I started getting called back and called <laughs> back. And I remember thinking to myself, like, they don't know that I don't know what I'm doing, you know. <laughs> and so I had this kind of weird imposter, yes, imposter syndrome, syndrome yeah. for a long time. I feel like sometimes I still have it. You know, when I wow. when I feel like people when people say, like, oh, I went to Juilliard, I'm thinking, oh, God, they're the real deal. They're going to find <laughs> out really soon that I don't um, but I suppose, you know, with time, you you feel more comfortable and with more experience, more comfortable with anything How did you deal with that you then or did you deal with it? Because did you even have a name for it at that time or was it just this constant anxiety of like, I'm going to be found out? Yeah. When actually there's nothing to find out because right. someone liked your work and yeah. they thought you were right, and, yeah. you know, and they put you on. But, yeah. but we all do that to ourselves. Yeah, we do. And yeah. that's that's probably where a lot of the self-criticism started, mm. you know, where like, mm. like literally cut to, you know, 20, 20 years later when I just said, look, like I, I have to really, um, connect to myself, like almost even before that 14 year old girl, you know, I mean, that's kind of how deep this last moment was. Um, I, I, you know, what's funny is that I felt more anxiety about, um, kids making fun of me at school. Cause I came from a really small town, like a nor I'm like the, like literally normal kid, you know, suburbia, um, you know, girl. And I was, I remember thinking it like, you know, in middle school, you know, kids are going to make fun of me that I'm doing something weird, you know? And, you know, it's, middle school is funny because jealousy is so rampant there, there anyway, you know? Mm. And, and, uh, and so I was, I was aware I had like my antenna out that like, kids are going to sort of start preying on the fact that I'm doing something interesting and yes. they have to like squash that immediately. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, 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 no. That's way too cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, for, for example, I mean, I was, you know, I was very aware of wanting normal experiences. That was one of the things I was like, when I was saying I was very self-aware as a, mm-hmm. as a, as a younger person, I remember there was a movie I really wanted to do. Um, and I had to audition numerous times for it. And it was this small movie, but it was a great character. And they couldn't give me the dates off for my prom or for my graduation. And I turned it down because I thought to myself, and wow, you know, I was 18, 17 years old. And I thought to myself, am I going to regret not doing this movie as a memory? Or am I going to regret saying, you know, I never went to prom or like, actually, I didn't go to graduation. And, and it was the latter that I thought I, I want that memory, actually. Like, how do you I, feel about that now? I feel good. I love that. Yeah, I feel good. And it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like this movie version of prom. It was, you know, a normal (laughs) version, but it was something that, you know, one day I'll be able to, you know, God willing, tell my children like, oh yeah, I remember when I did that. And here's my photo, but I went with my date, you know, and it was just, I've always been aware of, um, while the industry that I work in is, you know, it's magical and amazing in so many ways, you know, it's make-believe too. And so for me, the idea of connectivity and love and groundedness has been really important to me. Mm -hmm. Like the moment that I start to sway from that, or I feel a bit unrooted from that, I really suffer. 
Well, that's an incredible example of that yeah. because I can imagine that that's quite a hard choice. Yeah. But you, you seem to have really found your values quite early. And, and that must give you so much confidence now, though. Because when I hear you do that, how old were you then? Eight, uh, I was like eight, 17. 17, yeah. yeah. You're like 17, 18 years old. If you were able to do that de- then, that must give you so much more confidence and courage in your decision making now. Because I feel like if you're being able to pull back then when like the temptations and maybe the magic felt more magical, yeah. whereas now you've had so much more experience, is it easier to tap into those values or? That's, that's like, it feels like an organ to me. Right, yeah. Like, really. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like if I start to sway from something that I feel, you know, if there's a crossroads and it's like, well, you have this way or this way, if it's if it's swaying from, from like the organ of my morals or my family or love or, you know, the things that are, are the most important things for me. Yes. Then, then I'll always choose that. Um, there was two other things in my life that were, that were, um, you know, quite critical when it came to decision-making. One was when I ended up graduating from high school, um, you know, I ended up getting to Princeton Mm. and my, um, my parents were incredibly proud, you know, and, you know, I was, I, I think, if not the first, the second person in my family to get into an Ivy League school, you know, and, and they were very, they were thrilled, you know, of course, you know. Um, but I, I knew at that moment that if I didn't follow my dreams <laughs> and move out to Los Angeles and really try and give acting a go that I might not do it. And I, the, the toughest thing through high school really was this balancing act of finding a few bit parts here and there, and also keeping up with academia. Because remember, you know, back in the day in the (laughs) late nineties kids, um, you know, there, you know, it wasn't like I could do my schoolwork online and people weren't as lenient. I mean, I had teachers that like flat out said, if she, if she goes and does this movie, like I won't, I will fail her, you know? So it was like an enormous amount of pressure pressure to say, um, well, I, you know, I want to have this experience. And then I had teachers who were amazing that said, you guys are crazy. This person's having an extraordinary experience. How dare you take that from her? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and luckily I had a a mom who, who went in there and said, do we have to figure this out? Because I'm not going to, you know, strip her of this experience, but I'm also going to continue her education. So we have to figure this out. So when I graduated high school, I was aware of the fact that I, I, it was going to be impossible for me to balance at Princeton somehow acting and also keeping up with that kind of academia. So when I was accepted, I went to orientation and sort of imagining my life there. And it's a beautiful campus. And I am sure yeah, an extraordinary experience. And I met some amazing people there. Um, but it was, again, that thing, that inner core where I thought, oh, I, I just, I need to experience the other side. Mm. And so I ended up deferring and moving on to Los Angeles and going on like six auditions a day. I didn't know anyone. I used to go to coffee shops literally just to be around people because I was like 18 years old. So I couldn't go to bars or anything. And so I was so lonely so much of the time. That was, mm. that was the stage of my life that I really understood like the depths of loneliness for sure. Wow. Um, because I didn't really know anyone mm. and um, I was chasing a dream and I didn't know if it was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about the unknown. I mean, it was like, (laughs) it was like everywhere. (laughs) I was living in the tornado of unknown. And yet I had an, I I had a determination, you know, that served me really well. Yeah. And I was, you know, sort of seeing all these roles for, 
girls, blonde girls that were sort of vapid and not very interesting. And I thought, this is kind of depressing. Like that this is like my, you know, the version of me is sort of this like uninteresting sort of bitchy or dumb stereotype yeah i grew up on movies like that yeah watching, yeah I, I grew up no, so you know you know it's like that yeah so it was it was it was lonely and depressing until yeah. i read a screenplay called blue crush mm. and that was the moment where i thought okay i've never surfed in my life i've never touched a surfboard however i know this girl better than anybody like i have an affinity to this person that is i know what it feels to chase a dream i know what it feels like to have an enormous amount of fear and doubt um I, I, I just, I can do this. I can, yeah. you know, and I, and it took a lot to get that role. And how quickly did you learn to surf? Well, so, I mean, they, they obviously wanted to hire a real surf girl. Yeah. And so I auditioned for it numerous times. And uh, while they thought I gave a great reading, they were like, look, we really need someone with the skill set, understandably. And so I asked them what their plan was. And they said they were going to audition real surf girls and try and get them to act. And so over the next three weeks. And so I um, like literally went into the yellow pages, found a surf instructor in Malibu and told him I have three weeks to learn how to surf. And so I, and he said, you have to come here like eight hours a day every day. And I did for three weeks. insane. (laughs) Yeah. So when you asked me in the beginning, you know, what part of your personality has served you well in that way? There we go. This is a great example of that. And I always tell people, um, my my husband and I started a, a film school in Montana called Montana Institute for the Arts. And I always you know, tell this story because the determination and dedication and discipline that it takes to, um, to, to, to find some kind of success in this industry, there is no magic wand. Mm -hmm. You know, there is no secret sauce. There is no like, how do you make it? Tell me, give the, give me the secret. But I truly believe that the determination and dedication and discipline will, will really take you a long way. Mm -hmm. And yes, talent. But those three things, I think, are are critical. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. And and the reason why I love that is because it's almost like there's certain qualities like determination, dedication, discipline. Desire. Desire that kind of take you outwards and upwards. Yes. And then there, I think there's a different set of skills that take you deeper and inwards. Yes. And, and it's almost like, you know, you've got one, all these things that you just mentioned, those are the ones that we know that success in any industry are going to take those things, but then happiness in any industry right. are going to take everything else you mentioned, like vulnerability and compassion, yeah. and non-judgment and not being critical of you, right? That's, like, I just got chills because I was like, that's, that's the phase I'm in now. Yes. So I, I lived, I think, certainly through my teens and into my twenties with that kind of, I call it like be the best D student you can be, Yeah, you know? <laughs> um, and yet I was f- finding more and more distance mm. from that sort of vulnerability and real kind of connectivity to your heart. And also, you know, I was getting older and evolving and, um, and, and I think, you know, it's so important to me to be connected to the heart and the soul that Mm. that was really what triggered this kind of moment of saying, I'm letting it all go for a minute because I just knew I was like, I can't, I can't survive truly as a person in the world. If I don't have that very, very firmly in place, Mm. you know, and that it, it takes, it takes a lot of courage actually to kind of, kind of totally reset you know, your, your, your soul and your heart that way. No. And that's why I started with that. I was like, you know, it's <laughs> that in, in my opinion, that takes the most courage, like the discipline and dedication it takes to go outwards and upwards. Yeah. The courage it takes to go inwards is 
is yeah. not saying it's harder. It's just a different type of challenge. It is. And so you can't apply the same skills inwards. Like right. You can't go. I tried. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I really tried. It doesn't right. work. Yeah. It does, right. Tell, yeah. tell me about that because, yeah, I don't think it works. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I just, I tried to, I, I was, I was, you know, I had found so much success in the urgency and the forcefulness mm-hmm. in the determination. I mean, my name, Catherine means strong-willed and determined. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I really do feel, and I'm a Capricorn, so I'm like a goat. You know, I'm like, <laughs> just get it done. It doesn't matter how long it takes, you'll get it done. Um, so I've, I've always sort of applied that to my life. And so when I tried to say, you know, and I tried to sort of apply that inward, I just, it was just like a bounce back. It was like, that's, yeah, there's no, there's no entryway there, you know? It's, oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. Because I think, yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot. And, yeah. and I'll tell you about something else later that I'm preparing for. But it's, that's so much of my thought process right now that the skills that are required to go outward and the skills required to go inward are totally different. Mm-hmm. And and we can and do and hopefully try, not everyone does, but most people try to develop the ones to go outward. Some people succeed insanely like you have. And then you're now going, okay, but now we need to do the other journey. Yeah. And and just, I, I, I'm completely hearing you and I'm just like, it takes so much courage, it takes so much effort. But how have you found it with, I'm always intrigued in relationships, like with your husband, like, has he been doing his own or is he kind of already, and I don't know him, so this is not coming from any place of any insight. This is coming from a totally intriguing point of view, because I find like in couples and in relationships and in marriage or dating, whatever it may be, everyone's always evolving. Yes. So how have you found it? Have you both been evolving at the same time? Did he evolve first? Did you, you know, how's that? How does that work? If you don't mind sharing. No, I don't mind. Um, you know, it was, I feel like, you know, he and I were kind of on a similar trajectory wow. of um, this real, we didn't notice that it was somewhat unhealthy at the time, mm-hmm. but I think because we we work together mm-hmm. and we're both so dedicated to our work and we love our work. I mean, it's, it's an obsession, yeah. you know, and, and, and it will always be, I love creating and as does he, you know I mean? It's like, it's like DNA. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it really, it was, it was me who, who, who recognized and kind of pulled the ripcord to say okay. it, it, we have to find balance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we, we have to find balance and there's so much love there. That mm-hmm. was not the question. It was, um, if everything is about work and then if something's not working and it becomes about, well, I feel like I'm failing. I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like very shameful. I feel like I'm not good enough for you. Are you good enough for me? I don't know. Are you, am I good enough for you? you know, then all of a sudden you become into this whirlpool where all of a sudden you're just kind of a bit lost. Mm. Um, and it was really this moment where I realized, no, actually I can't look to him to fix me mm. and I can't fix you. And that was a big one for me because it was, it, it really kind of played in on that failure thing for me where yeah. I thought, uh, oh, that's, that's something that is interesting to observe that mm. I, it's actually not my responsibility to fix someone else. Mm. And it's not their responsibility to fix me. He's 12 years older than me. Mm-hmm. And when I met him at 28, he was not only someone I fell in love with, but he was also became my mentor. He also mm. became my best friend. And we have like such an amazing relationship that way. But as I started to evolve in myself and learn and grow, um, I, I started to realize that perhaps that 
leaning on him so much and then him sort of probably pushing back a little bit of that or yeah. feeling some kind of resentment or, you know, just things naturally that happen totally. with that dynamic. Yeah. Um, it was something that I had to really, um, really observe carefully and understand like why I was feeling so out of control with myself. And I thought, well, it's because, because you don't feel firmly planted. Mm. So the moment that you don't look to someone and say, help, but you look to yourself and say, okay, this is crazy. This is a wild free fall, but like you're going to survive it. Mm-hmm. Then, then you can look to the person across from you and say, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I've just kind of gone through something crazy yeah. and I'm now seeing things very clearly. I think the thing in relationships that's interesting that happens over time is that you form patterns that are healthy and then you form patterns that aren't, but it takes a lot of time. So if you're not careful and you don't have the communication up front, which is something that you know, I really have tapped into a lot in the vulnerability part of things, which is, you know, if you're doing a movie for three months and you're like, oh, I really want to talk about this, but now is not the time. And then another movie comes along and it's another four months and you're like, oh, I really need to talk about that, but I I can't really do it on Skype. You know, it's, it kind of ultimately creates something that can be challenging. And then all of a sudden there's distance and then you're not quite sure what you're even talking about anymore, but you know that there's something that's not quite right. Mm-hmm. And so for me to kind of just take a minute with myself and and really recognize what those things are that I was partici- participating in that wasn't making me happy and wasn't making him happy, literally we became two people standing there saying, oh, okay, I see you now. I see you clearly. And that was also part of the courage. Yes. You know, the fear of losing what you have. You know, if we if we stand together in this new evolved place with each other, is it, what does that mean? Definitely. You know? And I think that's something that I would really encourage people to talk about in relationships, especially now with, you know, social media and things where everything's all, you know, white picket fences and Labradors um, <laughs> to say, like, it it does take communication and it's OK to have setbacks because that can indicate progress. But yeah. to be able to say, um, wow, I'm really feeling vulnerable yeah. and I don't need you to fix it, but I just... I'm just going to communicate this. Sometimes it just starts with that. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and let the ego go. When one of you says, hey, I think we need to work on this. Yes. For the other person to respond with no ego and say, oh, let, let me take a moment. Like you might be right, but you, I'm not sure yet. Let me think. And then come back and say, yeah, actually, let's work on it together. Right. Because I think it takes that. So often when someone in your, your partner says something to you, like, I think we really need to work on our communication or something like that. Your ego goes, well, maybe you do. Yeah. But I don't, right? You instinctually go, well. I don't think so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Because it's just, yeah. you know, and, and, but I think it's so important that we just put our ego aside and go, yes, like, let, okay, you don't have to say yes straight away, but to really reflect on what someone's trying to tell you. Exactly. Yeah. And, and also, you know, to, to, to understand that, you know, it's okay to not have an answer. Yes. It's okay. And this was part of our dynamic that was difficult, which is, you know, for someone 12 years older who, who probably felt like, and I don't want to speak for him, but probably felt like, well, I should probably always have the answer because when I met Kate at 28, I had all the answers and now all of a sudden I don't. Yeah. And for me to say, well, you know, I don't have the answers either. You know, it is, it's super vulnerable, yeah. you know, to, yeah. to be able to say that to someone else. However, it really enriches mm. and creates so much depth in, in a relationship and trust ultimately. Like, yeah. My, my, um, the, th- the three things that I've sort of, I know, it's not like you can see like the, the sort of A type come out with me, Go like when it. it comes to it. emotions, but the things that I've really thought about a lot 
in, in, in my relationship is this idea of, and I mean this with my relationship to myself and ultimately my relationship and my marriage, which is, you know, the idea of trust, trusting yourself to be vulnerable enough, trusting the other person to be vulnerable with you, the idea of respect to do so and accountability. Mm. And like those three things, trust, respect, accountability. Yeah. Yeah, those three mm. things ultimately are, it's kind of like the tripod to to strong love to me. Like where I say, for example, to, 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 to use your example of, hey, I think we need to work on this. Like what's the accountability of that? Yes. Like rather than have a reaction, which I am so guilty of, you know, this is why yeah, I had to too. take my moment, <laughs> you know, to say, well, that doesn't make me feel good because it makes me feel criti- critiqued and, and sort of humiliated. And I don't like the way that that came out. To sort of say, yeah, let me take a minute and say, well, what what is my accountability in this moment? Mm-hmm. And like, what's the respect that I'm going to put forth? And what is the trust factor here with what that person's saying? Mm-hmm. And so it really, I mean, honestly, it's it is it is the journey inward mm-hmm. that that I'm looking at right now. Yeah. But it, you know, I, I'll tell you, it's 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 really it's created roots that I'm so excited for the next, you know, few chapters of my life. Um, you know, I think I'll be, you know, to, to be more comfortable and embrace vulnerability to be a better mom, to be a better partner, to be a better friend, to be better in my career. I mean, it's, it's, it's only going to enrich things. hundred percent. Yeah, no, 100%. And it's just, like you said, it's, I think that's the best view to have of it. And that is the right view to have of it. It's like you recognize that actually the more work I do internally, it can only be a good thing. And it's just going to take me through roads and paths that I don't, wouldn't love to be on. Right. But that's just part of it. That's part of it. And yeah. and I think that's the same you would have had to do when you first moved to LA. Right. Like when you first moved to LA, you had to probably go to auditions you didn't want to go to and you had to hand up at places that you didn't want to and you had to do it for that reason. Right. And it's almost like, on the inside, just because you can't physically see those yeah. places, but it's the same experience in that sense. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think when I, I had, I had to assume so much armor as a young person moving to LA. I mean, I really did. I feel like I just immediately suited up and said, you know, okay, I, I had to get so comfortable with rejection mm. that it became divorced from me yeah like it no longer belonged to me because i had so much rejection that the re- like the way to survive it and to not give into it or go crazy or to like turn inside out how did you do that tell, tell us about it because i think that's such a big yeah. thing for people right now for and, sure and of course in i feel like in creative industries especially yeah. acting rejection is like the number you experience rejection probably more than any other yeah. emotion i again this goes back to just really having a strong sense of self i i realized early on that if I didn't put rejection in its place, mm. like, um, like it doesn't belong to me, truly. Mm. Like that rejection doesn't belong to me because um, there's so many factors that go into place with, with for, in my particular instance, you know, getting a role. It's the look, it's the feel, it's, you know, the you know, 300 people that are making the decision, you know, it's, there's so many factors that go along with it that, um, that actually weirdly doesn't have much to do with me. Mm-hmm. And, and also, you know, I've always been the type of person that really loves other people's success. That's amazing. I really have, I, you know, I, I remember, um, 
you know, I remember very early on, like 14, 15, 16, when um, another actress got a role. And I I recognized the pain because I wanted it so badly. It was like <laughs> a heartbreak, you know? Yeah. But I was genuinely so happy for someone else because mm-hmm. I felt like that was meant for that person. Mm-hmm. And the moment that I think, well, that was meant for me, but I didn't get it and that person got it. Like, I just, I just knew at a young age that that was going to become very insidious. Wow. You know? So you actually realized that really early on. Yeah. Which is amazing. I think I just didn't like the way it made me feel. It's like, I, I've never been a jealous person. Right. You know, um, in in love or in, in that mm-hmm. sense of mm-hmm. career. Mm-hmm. I can recognize um, feelings of, uh, you know, my own desire or my own yearning, you know, but but I've not, I don't like the way jealousy makes me feel and yeah. I've never liked it, you know? Yeah. Um, when, in, That's so beautiful. Yeah. It, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like recognizing something in yourself that you're like, you know, that, that doesn't, I don't like me yeah. feeling like that. And yeah. so I would rather remove that yeah. than not like myself in that way yeah, you know exactly yeah oh that's so beautiful yeah. i love that that's such a such a powerful point and i love that because yeah i think i think that's what it is with me it's like you just don't want i don't like the way jealousy makes me behave right i don't like what i say when i feel right. jealous i don't like what i think when i feel jealous and i don't like how it can be such a consuming feeling totally like it just kind of like you yeah. know not embraces you it suffocates you and I think jealousy can, you know, jealousy almost is, you know, can come off of that, like fear, you yeah. know, that fear title of, you know, not getting what you want yes. or losing what you, you know, that those things play into jealousy, mm-hmm. which is like, really, if you look at fear carefully, it, it is, it is the thing that, um, can infect you in a way that's very negative. And I think yeah. jealousy comes off of that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. You, you were talking about some of the roles that you felt at the beginning were like shallow or not letting you play who you truly were and reflecting, you know, like the, the, like you mentioned, like, you know, like someone who's just dumb and, yeah. you know, silly. And f- what roles do you think actually helped you explore deeper parts of yourself? Like were there any roles that you played where you actually were like, Oh, this is interesting. Or you learned something about yourself. Yeah. Tell me about some of those. Um, there's, there's a movie that I don't think a lot of people saw, but it was during a time in my life in my early twenties, which, you, you'd ask me, is this the first time that you had this like real kind of cracked open self-reflective moment? And, and it is definitely the deepest. Um, but in my early twenties, um, I felt so overwhelmed by, you know, the, the feelings of being judged or, um, the sides to this career, like fame or perception that I, you know, I didn't get into it for those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of accidentally fell into it, as you know. So it was sort of so surprising. And I am a sensitive person that I just, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to um, kind of defend myself, like emotionally or spiritually from all that coming at me. Mm. Um and so in my early 20s, I really feel like I had, um, you know, I don't know if it would be like clinically described as a breakdown, but I felt, I feel like it was a breakdown of spirit in a sure. way, um, in that I just felt like I didn't know how to exist really as a person and in, in what I, in what I did because I loved being creative, but I just couldn't really handle the, the other side of things. And 
so that that moves into what you were asking me about like yeah. red carpet or paparazzi or da, da, da. like i had to figure out how to handle yeah. that in a way that you know wasn't overwhelming and paralytic um but in answer to your question at that moment of my life there was a movie called the girl in the park and it was um it was a movie that was a two-hander between myself and sigourney weaver and you know, I think the best roles, and I think all actors will say this, mm. is when a character comes into your life, a piece comes into your life, when it is kind of, um, it is connecting with you in a moment that is like lightning in a bottle, mm. you know, where it's like, it's almost like you have to have a, this kind of revelation with yourself while the character is also having it. Yes. And it's very rare because it's yeah. sort of like, a shooting star. It's like a, it's a the moment. Timing, yeah. The timing is so specific and it's so specific with the character and the director and the piece and da da. But that was one of those moments that I, I really loved um, exploring that side. And it was cathartic to me in many ways because of what I was going to. And I, I was able to really connect to a certain pain with myself and express it through my art. And I loved Sigourney so much. And so it was kind of one of those moments where I felt like, you know, I could speak to someone who had, life experience and who was in, is incredibly stable and smart and funny and she's very like she's like charmingly kind of little girl like sometimes yeah. you know <laughs> um childlike in like the most beautiful way i think the I, my favorite creatives are like that you know yeah. and they, they, they you just don't lose that spirit at yeah. all regardless of where you are in the life childlikeness yeah absolutely and you've said somewhere I, that you were that you you know you consider yourself very like goofy and silly and yeah. funny and like but people don't see that side i of know you. and i saw that straight when you walked in today yeah you just like walked in like this beaming light and then we were like <laughs> laughing like, laughing outside and i was just like oh wow like you you have this really playful yeah. energy yeah. about you yeah how have you kept that like what is it that like, I, I hope my wife's back today. I really want to introduce her. She, yeah. My wife is like extremely playful and silly. I don't know if you follow her on Instagram, but I, I, I'll show you. I'm she's, going to. She's just. I love your just, relationship so much. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very interesting. We can yeah. talk about that. But how do you keep that playfulness? Like you have that. Yeah. Even in your smile and just the, just the being that you have when yeah. I'm around you. I'm like, where, where does that come from? And how do you keep that? Um, I think. I, it's not something I work at. Okay. To be totally honest. Okay. It's it's cool. really, um, I think it comes out. How do you protect it? Um, or do you don't? I think there was a moment in my <laughs> 20s where I tried to be like a cool version of myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized that I just felt like an imposter <laughs> to myself. And I thought, well, you're just dorky. And yeah. I actually really love that about myself, you know, <laughs> and, and actually, um, th that, that really is me. And like, yeah. it, it, it is something, it's a quality that, um, I find also disarms mm. people in a way because, you know, I'm often in rooms where everyone's like very put to, you know, and I, yeah. and I love seeing people I know and, you know, like embracing them <laughs> yeah, and saying yeah. like, ah, this is weird. You know what I mean? And just kind of yeah. calling it out, it breaks the you know? Yeah. And, um, and I, I really, I really, I, I, I like that part of myself, yeah. you know, that it's just, it's just who I am, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's the unarmored self. Yes. And so yeah. that makes me feel like my best self really, yeah. you know? I love that. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, no, I love that about you. And I, I've only experienced it today but yeah. but i really love it and i hope i get to see more of it too because yeah i'm super clumsy 
Yeah. <laughs> so I'm very clumsy. And I have a friend called Chase who always spots me doing clumsy things That's and he so always funny. makes a list of them. Yeah. And so like we had this really serious, a couple of months ago, we had uh, one of my spiritual teachers come and do an event at our home. And he's like giving like this really like peaceful, meaningful message. And I'm like leaning against the wall and I like switch all the lights off and on, like <laughs> like a light show while he's making like this really meaningful point. And everyone's like, he's looking at me and cracking up and just like, Jay, like, how can you not help yourself? Like, fine. <laughs> and it's just like that. You know, and, and I know there was a big part of my teens where I tried to, you know, come across very smooth, especially yeah. to the opposite sex for me. And it was like, you know, with girls I was dating and I was always yeah. trying to prove to myself to be smooth. And then, and that's when you get stuck in the feeling of like, oh, well, I get found out. Or then when you do something right. stupid, it's more embarrassing because you haven't shown that side of yourself. And now the other person's wondering, oh, well, you know, this is who you really are. Whereas if you are just who you are, then... yeah people kind of laugh at it maybe the first time and then and then they start to love it. Yeah, no, it's yeah. true. I mean, I feel like, you know, um, just being very honest with who you are and it, there's like a cliche kind yeah. of like sound to that, but mm -hmm. it, it is it is true. Like, you know, the word authenticity is interesting because I feel like it's kind of one of those words that's so important and yet kind of weirdly overused. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean it in the, the truest sense of of the word which is to really tap into that authentic part of yourself where you think this is really me. Like this is me at the end of the day. This is me with my closest friends or this is me in high school. And I was like, what am I doing? You know, I'm actually going to go back and, and speak to um, some, some kids at my high school oh, soon. And I'm so excited to do it because, um, you know, it's, I, I graduated with a class of 70, you know, so tiny. And I feel like, you know, they probably look, to me now and think, oh, it's this, you know, inaccessible and obtainable life and world she lives in. And yet I'm so excited to say to them, like, no, no, I'm still, yeah, I'm like yeah, you, yeah. you know, we're, you're yeah. like me, like it's, yeah. it's all, it's, you know, keep that. That's really yeah. important, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that again, it goes back to the word vulnerability. I think, mm. you know, I feel like when I armor myself or I try and be a version of myself and I, I choose when I do that at very particular moments, for example, um, a red carpet moment. Mm -hmm. I don't love them. I feel very <laughs> odd standing on a rolled out red carpet. It's weird, you know? Um, when you explain it like that, it sounds really weird. It's strange. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's super strange. And again, you know, it's like... Lots of people telling you to pose in different ways and look in different directions. Yeah. And, and yet I thought to myself, you know what, Kate, if, you, if you're just like kind of falling apart and like <laughs> not just assuming some kind of an alter ego for like five minutes it's, it's going to look a little crazy. Yeah. So like you have, to, <laughs> you have to just, you know, pull yeah. the Oprah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> but she Good found her, she found her red carpet <laughs> yeah, self, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's finding those discerning moments of saying, yeah. look, okay, this is the, this is the moment where you just, you suit up the, uh, you know, a, a really, really good friend of mine, um, do you know Dr. Nigma Talib? I don't know. You'd love her. Yeah. She said to me once we were, she, um, we were going to something, a red carpet event. And she said to me, I, we were in the car and I said to her, oh, this is always like so weird. You know, and I sort of expressed that sort of vulnerability to her. And she said, you know, whenever I go into overwhelmingly ener energetic sort of experiences like this, I always just wrap myself in gold. Mm. I just imagine myself wrapping myself in gold. And I thought that's actually a really great way of thinking of it because I always saw it as like suiting up armor, yeah. which is a little impenetrable and sort of off-putting. But to wrap yourself in gold mm. is a much better visual. I think. Yeah, I <laughs> love sort of, that. You know, um, that's doing so the same thing somewhat. Yeah. 
Um, Whereas one you shine and the other one you're feeling like you have to You're closed off. Yeah, you're yeah. closed off. Exactly. Yeah. And so then when I started That's to... I love that. So what, yeah, me too. Yeah. And, and when I... So when I started to do that and that was kind of in my... Mm, it's sort of my late 20s. My my, my 20s was, I, I told you the version where I was like, I'm going to try a cool version of myself and that kind of didn't work. It definitely didn't work. Um, but when I started to wrap myself in, in gold, I, I realized that I laughed a lot more. Yeah. You know, there's a lot more smiles rather than cool posing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, um, yeah. and I preferred it. You know, I would yeah. see, I would see photos here and there and I'd be like, oh, see, you know what? That's a beaming, you know, happy yeah. person rather than, you know, okay, stoic. it's stoic yeah. kind of cool smoldering thing, which I get, yeah. you know, I do, I get it. And you, and you do go through those phases in life, but yeah. I, I feel best when I, you know, when I, when I'm not assuming that. Yeah. And I think one thing you've said, and, and it reminds me of it. And I, I noticed in myself, I was reflecting while I was hearing you speak that you were saying you're going back to speak to your high school yeah. and you're excited about it. And I was thinking, yeah, you know, going back to do the things that make you feel at ease are actually where you find more of you. Like we were talking about earlier, of like when you're going on a late night show or you're going, you know, when you're going on something that's very like high pressure, time situated, yeah. you've got to talk about your your TV show, your movie, as right. well as this. And, you know, there's all this stuff and it's like four minutes. But then when you go to your high school, it's like they're going to let you probably talk for as long as you want. And there's just this freedom of expression. Yes. And I and you've just made me feel like, you know, it's giving yourself more opportunities to do that. It's one of the reasons why I love this. Yes. It's, it's just giving yourself an opportunity to find and get lost and find yourself again. You you keep that essence. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I was thinking as you were talking and, and talking about, you know, I just had this press tour for, for the island and I'm yeah. so, so proud yeah. of the show and I'm proud that, you know, I produced it with the network and, and I, I think you actually commented on, on this photo. So this is the kind of balance that I'm looking for. Oh gosh. Go okay. This is the kind of balance that I'm looking for. And, and, and it was truly within this moment of, you know, self-realization, which is, um, you know, I'm committed to the work of promoting the show and I'm really proud of the show. However, at the end of the night, don't tell me what picture it is. Okay. I think I picked it already. Okay. Is it this one? Yes, it yes. is. I knew. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And that was kind of, that, that was such a great example of, of it was, it was a real, it was a great example of self-care and letting go, honestly, yeah. of, of, of everything else that is the perception, right? You know, yeah. rather than showing up to something, you know, the cool fashion crowd, which I, I, I love. It's fun. And, and I love fashion. My father was in fashion, so I, I really do love it. But for me to eat a bunch of room service with a beer <laughs> on the floor was heaven, yeah. you know? It looked amazing. Yeah. Like, that picture's so great. Yeah. And I love it too. I was just like... And and I love you sharing that. Yeah. Because I think it's, you know, it's so easy. Obviously, you're you're on a tour and you're promoting. And I know you did a bunch of other late night shows and all the rest of it. And it's fun to show that, but it's it's so great to show this. And yeah, I'm, gl I'm glad that you're doing That's that. That's the good stuff. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, all, it's all good. It's all important. It is all good, yeah. But it really, when it comes back to, you know, what fortifies the spirit, mm. you know, what what connects to the heart, you know, if those, if that inward motion isn't connected, then, then all the other stuff isn't going to be as strong anyway, you know. Uh, and without trying to give too much away, you play a very confrontational character in the island, <laughs> right? Yeah. She's so, so like, it's, she's, it's like in your own life, you're kind of going in and then here, this one, you're like, no, I don't want to give too much away, but yeah, uh, she, it was a really great experience for me because I don't often get the opportunity of playing a character, mm. you know, um, and this was, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful to, to Netflix. There's so much fun to work with and they're so collaborative because I said to them, 
you know, I was able to really form this character with them. And I said, I, I want to, um, exercise the power of restraint with this character, which means, you know, with the show, you know, you have a bunch of people waking up on a deserted Island and their memories are wiped. And so the opportunity in that, love that concept. Yeah. The opportunity in that for an actor is all the characters up front, but the plot is not there. And that's, that's a rare opportunity. Normally when you're watching a show or a movie, you're, you know, understanding the character and processing the character as you're going along. Cause you're saying, Oh yes, because that happened to them and that's their experience. And of Mm. course that's why they are who they are. Yes, yes, yes. So with this opportunity, you have these kind of weird reactions from this character or a way that she says something that's really strange or off putting. um, And you're wondering why. And so I said to the network, I want you to take this leap with me because I think there's going to be a lot of intrigue with her with less said up front. She'll be a question mark that people really kind of lean in and say, what is going on with this person? Mm. So it was amazing that they allowed me to do that because as you watch the season unfold and episode five in particular, like her world just totally cracks open and you have the aha moment. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. That's so exciting. I love that. And I love hearing you explain the creative process behind it. Yeah. That makes so much sense that you wouldn't see that. And I, and I wanted to touch on Nona. Yeah. Because it was self-financed. Yeah. Which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was which amazing. Which is incredible. And it's all about human trafficking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when someone self-finances something, I'm like, wow, like this is deeper and even more meaningful than than any work that that you could do, I guess, because you believe that much. Tell me the story about how, what brought that together and yeah. why that was so powerful for you. It was really, it's been such an extraordinary experience. Um, you know, my husband's really a brilliant guy mm-hmm. and, and he is so courageous with his work and I am just amazed by him with what he does. Um, you know, he not only writes his screenplays, but he directs them and now he's shooting a lot of his work. So he, uh, on this movie, you know, wrote the screenplay, directed it and, and shot the movie as well. So it's, it's pretty extraordinary. There's not a lot of people who can, who can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he came, he came home, uh, from, from work one day and he said, I just heard this story on NPR about a sex house that was busted, not so far from our own home. And wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And, and he said there's at the moment at the time, it was a few years ago, he said there was 44 known sex houses, you know, in the Los Angeles area, which really means a lot more. And he said, I just feel kind of um, kind of shocked and a little embarrassed. Like I didn't know more about this mm-hmm. and that it's prevalent, you know, in our backyard, but all over America. It's not someone else's problem. It is, it is something that's happening here. And he, you know, um, Mike's a real artist. He said, I, I want to use my voice and my art to um, shine a light on this issue and to bring it to the surface. And so, you know, he's, he kind of asked for my blessing to, to go off and write the screenplay. Cause it takes so much. I mean, I, I think writing is the most, un, you know, unsung hero of the artistic process because it takes so much discipline mm-hmm. and, um, time and processing and, and thinking, um, that's, that's arduous and yet you don't see it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's just so mental. And so he, he spent some time writing the screenplay, which is about a girl um, named Nona, who is from Honduras, from San Pedro Sula. And a young boy meets her there and says, oh, I, you know, you shouldn't be here. You should have a better life in America. I have an aunt. I'll bring you across the border and you'll, 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 you know, you'll have a totally different life. You'll, you'll, you'll soar. And she takes, she takes the offer because 
her life is so poor and so lonely and so tragic where she is. Um, Michael chose San Pedro Sula because it was known as the murder capital of the world. And so mm -hmm. to understand the why and the how people take opportunities like this, it's because life is so much more dangerous yes. and sad um, and difficult than the potential you know, downfall of what could happen to them. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, 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 it's less risky to take that chance than to stay where they are. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, for us, we thought if we can create more empathy and humanity, ironically, it's called human trafficking. And I think we're losing the humanity yeah, of the issue. So true. Um, you know, it's, it's faceless. It's mm -hmm. very highly statistical and so we thought if we can put a, fa yeah. put a face to yeah. it, though it's fictional, and he, he drew on a lot of you know his research to put into this character, but if we can create connectivity and empathy and humanity in this issue just through the story, yeah. then it's important. Mm. Um, and so, you know, Michael was adamant about the Nona being an unknown because he wanted to bring a, you know, he wanted her to be faceless and nameless, you know, mm. is the point of the movie. It's all in Spanish. Michael, um, his he's half Mexican. His mom is from Mexico. So he has a whole he has a whole um, side of him um, in that culture that he really treasures. Um, and so he wanted the movie to be in Spanish. Um, and and he shot in the most dangerous parts of the world, which was San Pedro Sula, Guatemala, and all through Mexico. Wow. And so those three things were very difficult to get yeah. the right kind of financing. And so oh, okay. yeah. I, it was so, you know, we really, we sat, we had a financier and like, oh, it was about six days before everything was in place, you know, like tickets were bought, you know, we had everything set. And I think it was about six days before we were, he was meant to leave. Um, they, they pulled out and I remember he got, we got the email we were driving and he's like, let's go get a drink. <laughs> <laughs> and we sat at a bar downtown and we both got a whiskey and we just sat there quietly. And I just looked at him and I said, I'll do it. You know, I'll finance it because, um, for me to have the position of executive producer financier and be on the ground in LA and, and with a fellow producer, um, be looking at all the the sort of logistics of how to do it. Let him go and tell the story, and yeah. he was gonna ha he was carrying a whole different type of torch. You know, it was the way that we could find balance in making making the movie. But it was it was yeah. really it's our we always sort of jokingly say it's like our first child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, but it was something we really felt was important, and um, you know, it's it's I work with um, an organization called Cast, which is the Coalition to Abolish Slavery and Trafficking. Mm -hmm. From mm -hmm. this process, we realized early on that we need to. Um, you know, have relationships with people who are really on the front line of this issue and understand it better and more deeply in terms of how we can help. And um, I've since learned that it's 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 obviously not just a, you know an issue in which it's an international issue coming into the into the United States. There's you know the foster care system is really overrun mm -hmm. by these predators looking for kids yeah. to human traffic, and it's a really hard thing to even say or hear, but it's yeah. important to know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, thank you so much for using your platform and your production and all your skills to tell such powerful and meaningful mm -hmm. stories, both, both of them, both the island and this, because I think they're going to spark thoughts in people's minds in different ways and different themes. And yeah, thank, thank you. you. It's amazing. Thank you. It's awesome. So we, we, we end every episode with the final five. 
Okay. Uh, which are like a final five, rapid fire, quick fire round. Okay. As, as, but they're never rapid or quick because I get <laughs> too. No, I get too interested. Yeah. Everyone's very talented and does it, but then I'm like, okay, tell me a bit. Yeah. More. So you're allowed to do the same. So. Okay. Uh, the first question is: If you could only, and I know you're a big reader, so that's what mm-hmm. the question is. Basically. Oh gosh. I'm if you could only read one book for the rest <sighs> of your life, what would it be? That's so hard. <laughs> that is such a hard question. Um, or, or I can I can give you an easier version. Okay. It, I mean, I guess now that you're being vulnerable, and you know, uh, the question I would say is, I can tell uh, you the last book I read that I really loved. Tell me that, and also <laughs> tell me what's the book you've gifted the most. You can tell That's the, a good question yeah. too. Um, what, what's a book that you'd love people to read? Well, interestingly, I really loved Still Alice, um, mm. and 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 I, the way I got that role was mm. because I ended up tweeting another great relationship through social media. Oh, wow. I ended up tweeting to Lisa Genova, who's the author of Still Alice, yeah. and I just said, "I have to tell you how much of an impact this book made on me." Wow. And I truly recommend. I mean, even if you've seen the movie, really read the book because I had grandparents who suffered from dementia and Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. and it is a firsthand account of what it feels like to go through that experience as that person. And it, it, it made me a better granddaughter to um, not be afraid of how to handle that. Or it, it created so much empathy and, mm-hmm. and understanding of what that might, what that might feel like. And so I tweeted out to her and said, I just have to tell you how much I love and admire, you know, what you've done. And it's, it, it's totally changed my relationship with my grandparents. That's amazing. And, and then we became friends and I yeah. said, have you ever thought about making it into a movie? And she said, it's so weird. They're actually doing that right now and you'd make a great Anna. No. And that's way. how that's that all came oh, together. Know that. you know? That's amazing. Um, that's a book I'd highly recommend. Um, the, the, book I, the book I read recently that really I found p- p- quite astonishing was a book called Three Women. Mm. Have you read it? Oh, no, I haven't. No. It's, it's truly an astounding piece of work. Um, it is it is nonfiction, but it is written in a an incredibly narrative way. Um, you know, she the the author followed three women um, living different experiences in their lives, and really, it's very carnal. It's very um, revealing and, and and explores desire and sexuality and insecurity and what it means to desire and what it means to be undesired and how that affects you. But it's so so wow. extraordinarily written. Like that's a book I'm I'm giving out. Thank you. Yeah. Though I will say I'll give it a little like, you know, asterisk that it is, you know, it's it's uh provocative. Yeah, it's provocative. Yeah. Um yeah. but I, I like I like things that are provocative yeah, and really great. kind of can be shocking. I really love Marikami. You know, he's an author that I've read almost every single one of his books. Um uh <sighs> Gosh, you know, and, and then I and then I love, you know, I've read The Little Prince more times yes, than I can yes. count, you know, and that's the side of me that like I, I cry every time the fox talks about taming the little boy and the rose and how she's special, more special than any other rose because she's her, you know, yeah. so that's a book I give out quite a lot. I love that. Um, and The Giving Tree. Thank you. That so one, many great The Giving Tree makes me cry. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so it really runs the game. I mean, that's a real run the gamut kind of. That's cool. I love it. Great answer. Okay. It's beautiful. <laughs> Not quick fire, rapid fire, yeah. as I said, but, <laughs> but I love it. Uh, you spoke about this a little earlier before we started properly, but it was, you know, I was going to ask you what your favorite self-care tip was. And you were talking about how, you know, horse riding, like people meditate, you horse ride. So yeah, but what's your favorite self-care tip or thing that you mm. do for your self-care and relaxation um, and refueling it doesn't have to be horse I, I it really i i find reading um mm. 
for me, reading is very important. I've, I, I've, I am most connected to myself when I'm either reading great literature or um, I'm very excited about your book, by the way. Thank you. Really, very I mean fun. it because it's 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 the people who inspire me and you know give them give them give of themselves um, through through writing that mm. I find a lot of grounding in. Mm. Um, so, like for example, I've been I've been doing a lot of reading yeah. in the last month, <laughs> you know, and like underlining things and yeah, asking yeah. and. Um, but but also the, you know one of the things that I've that I find quite honestly difficult, and I think it's it's probably my first step into meditation is just being comfortable with quiet mm. and being on your own. Um, I find that quite confrontational, which is mm. when I know it's good for me. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, and I think uh, f- for me, being physical. Mm is important Mm. when I'm, when I'm not finding regular activity or exercise, I I find that I I have a lot more anxiety. Mm. Whereas if, you know, I think that like, honestly, one of the great, you know, great pieces of advice I was given once was, you know, if you're really in a moment where you're, where you're feeling an enormous amount of anxiety or fear, go for a walk. Yeah. You know, um, get moving. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Awesome. Question number three, uh, What's one thing you're learning right now? Something you're trying to learn? What's one of five? <laughs> one of the five. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's one thing I've learned right now? Or is, learning in oh, the learning. process. Yeah, um, learning in the process of. You know, for, for me, it's really about being being comfortable in the unknown. That's mm. the big one for me. Yeah. Um, and it's a daily practice. Yeah, definitely. To To say... Well, I just don't have the answer for that yet, you know, and to understand that it's a process and it's okay. And there's actually a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, th- there will be a lot, you know, a lot of strength that comes out of that patience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. I saw when I, when I sort of, you know, when I, when I pulled, I say I pulled the ripcord on, uh, on, on my life for a moment, <laughs> um, my, my husband had said to me really early on in our relationship, Honey, I love you, but you need to learn how to be a more patient gardener. And I literally said in my wedding vows, because uh, we wrote our own vows, yeah. I vowed to to try and be a more patient gardener. And interestingly, throughout this month, and I, I took a lot of time really not talking to anyone and, mm. and just being on my own, including him, which is for him, he was so brilliant because he said... I was afraid. I was afraid to say I need to take some time alone. Yeah. Um, I didn't know how he would take it. I didn't know, again, going back to the fear of losing what you have. And he's, and he had so generously said, you take all the time you need. So I had literally said in my vows, I promised to try and be a more patient gardener. And so when he had said, you take all the space you need, and I took, you know, over a month of truly self-reflection and understanding the power of saying, I don't know, or... I am comfortable slash uncomfortable in the unknown, but that's what it is. When I, I wrote him a letter actually when I surfaced again. And one of the things I said was, I'm starting to learn to be a more patient gardener. And that was, that was a big, big thing. And he understood. Like that was where he said, okay, I understand now. She's, that's the growth spurt she's going through. And it takes a lot, you know, it's sort of like, really coming out and sort of spreading things and, and, you know, evolving in a whole new way. 
I was just saying like, I, yeah, I think you articulate confusion well, which I think is very useful to a lot of people because usually we articulate things well in hindsight or we articulate how we write, feel right now pretty badly because we can't find the words. But I think you've really probably helped so many people through this interview put into words what they're thinking and feeling. Oh, thank you. And that means so much yeah, to I mean from that. you. Yeah, I mean that. No, I mean that. Okay, we've got two more questions. Okay. Uh, question number four, what's one book you'd love to turn into a movie? Oh, it's funny that I didn't know that story before, so but I kept hard. it. Um, meant to be hard. I know. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine if you just did like easy ones? <laughs> if I did like, what's your um, favorite color? I don't know if I have the answer. <laughs> That's cool. It could be the three women. Maybe that would yeah, be Yeah, honestly, good. that was that the would one probably make it. I mean, when you said that, I was like, well, that would be I, it's, movie. It's yeah. the one that... Oh, there, there's a book as well called The Evidence of Things Unseen that mm-hmm. is the female character's name is Opal. And I really, really love that character. And I love that world because um, it's a it's a history in America I really love. But that that's a book I'd love to turn into a movie. Mm. And I love the title. Yeah, I think the idea of, um, I actually I talk about this a lot, um, funny enough, the the importance of the evidence of things unseen. And it actually kind of ties into the little prince because obviously one of the most, most famous quotes is, you know, what is essential is in- invisible to the eye. Yeah, And I think that really is like, again, going back to the core of what we were talking about that's important to me is love. Mm. That is the most important thing to me. So the things that speak to me really um, it are that. Yeah. Amazing. And question number five, uh, what's, what's a message that's in your heart right now, uh, a fun, a vibrant message that's inside you right now that you want people to take away from listening to this episode? No fear, only love. That was the only rapid fire answer. That is great. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yep. Thank you, Kate. Thank you so You're much. You're amazing. Oh my God. I, I love Such this conversation. Honor. This was just so awesome. And I want everyone to make sure you go check out The Island on Netflix uh, check out Kate's uh, Instagram profile where she shares very open, honest, candid pictures and a bunch of other great stuff as well. Uh, but thank you so much for sharing so openly, so vulnerably, so authentically. And I'm not just throwing those words around because I think they all make sense. I'm saying them because I just, I've been feeling the energy here. So whoever's not in the room right now, I uh, just know that I've been sitting here face to face, eye to eye with you, and I've been feeling all everything you've been saying. So thank you for opening up. Thank you for trusting me and and thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you for the trust. Yeah, and I hope so appreciate it. Yeah, and I hope this is the beginning of a, a new friendship and learning lots more about each well, other I and hope growing so, together. Because otherwise, I'll be a stalker, and that's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, I mean, I love that. No, I'm, and a, I'm a lifer. Yeah, I'm me one of those too. People that are. A yeah, lifer. I'm like yeah. that too. I find my people, and, yeah. then, and then I go deep with them, and that's what I look for that's in life. It. And it's roots. Yeah, yeah, it means a lot. Oh, but thank you so it means much. A lot to me. Thank, thank you. you. Amazing. Thank you. That's Yay! awesome. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Thank you. Oh my God, thank you okay. so. Oh my God, it was so great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>